Welcome to Style with Substance, a podcast by The Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. plus a few bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion. Join us for discussion with industry insiders, tips and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion. Hello again, welcome back to episode 9. In this and next week's episodes, I am celebrating Wool Week. For 10 years, the campaign for wool has drawn attention to the wonderful wool offering available in the UK and its incredible attributes as a fabric. Next week, I am chatting to Wool Week supporters Finisterre, but today I am investigating a slightly less known wool, alpaca. Did you know that we have alpaca farms right here in the UK? I only found this out a few weeks ago when I spotted a picture of designer Hannah Fiedler stroking a baby alpaca on her visit to one of her suppliers, the British Alpaca Company. Of course, the fabric geek in me came out and I contacted her to find out more. Hannah is a German-born, now London-based designer who is taking the industry by storm. Her precise and considered approach to fashion takes into account not just a sustainable work ethic, but also making less impact on our environment. This month, her namesake label is popping up in none other than Harrods in London for six weeks. However, her approach to creating clothes is a lot slower than most brands, and she prefers to do everything as locally as possible. Finding a balance between her love of fashion and her love of the environment, Hannah sources and manufactures in the UK so that when she discovered alpaca on her doorstep, or a short four-hour car journey from London, she jumped at the chance to find a way to incorporate this gorgeous fabric into her collections. Not only are these alpaca based in the UK, but the breed as a whole have very little impact on the environment, making them an ideal sustainable fabric to use. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hannah. Hi Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Lucy, thanks so much for having me. Um, So we're going to be talking a little bit more about your brand and I specifically want to ask you about a really exciting new material that you're going to be using in your collections. So can you tell us a little bit about you and, and what it is that you do? So my name is Hannah. I'm uh, German born and raised. I grew up in the Bavarian countryside um, and I actually trained as a bespoke tailor before coming into the world of fashion. So I did an apprenticeship at the Berlin Opera House for three years where I really nurtured a massive passion for the creation of, of garments and learned so much that really impacts now also the way I designed um studied then in London at London College of Fashion and um, after being in the industry for a little while started my own brand called Hannah Fiedler that focuses on bringing the traditional values and techniques known in the bespoke tailoring world into women's wear ready to wear. Amazing. So can you tell us a little bit more about being a bespoke tailor then because it's sort of not not one that you hear a lot about and <laughs> and then what was your journey from being a bespoke tailor to starting your own label in London? So I guess the really interesting part about bespoke tailoring is, is, is that it, it's not commonly known and, and I think whereas maybe 50, 60 years ago it was quite 
usual for for men and women to have their go-to tailor that that's actually very rare today um but i i truly believe in the power of well-fitting clothes and and obviously also um high quality garments and that that's really what drew me into tailoring i have always been sewing that's something my mom taught me when i was a kid and that was my main hobby growing up but there was always a point when I got incredibly frustrated because I didn't know how to do things or, you know, I couldn't achieve the level of quality and, and um, finish that I saw in the garments I bought in stores. So um, that frustration really led me into researching tailoring and then finding an apprenticeship that I could do after finishing school. Um, and the main differentiation, I would say, is, is really the focus on fit and quality and getting things right no matter how long it takes and how much it costs which is something I am trying to still um, bring into my work today but of course I need to be a bit more aware of, of how long something takes to make um, but it just allows you to really deep dive into a garment and, and get it the best it can be taught me an appreciation for materials I learned a lot about materials different fibers that are being used and why they may be good for one thing and not so good about the other and I think this dedication to the product itself sometimes gets a little bit lost within the fashion world because the the work you do with the tailor is really with one client so you truly focus on that one client and that moment of time in the one garment that you're making for them whereas in, in fashion you really have to be thinking about you know a, a wide range of potential clients and while that's amazing because you can make so many more people happy than just the one it is also a bit more tricky because you need to think about how do you reach them you know where are they you need to communicate with them there's so much more attached to being a fashion label than just in in quotation marks just being a tailor working with one client so that's that's yeah. really the difference here I would say but I've always enjoyed fashion it was something that I looked more on from afar um, having grown up in the countryside fashion wasn't necessarily something that seemed you know really approachable to me or accessible um, but then living in Berlin and, and studying there I, I was more and more exposed to the fashion industry locally in Berlin funnily enough I, I used to share an apartment with a model so that also then uh, gave me a bit of an entry into the modeling world and, and shows and she always made sure to get me tickets if she could for the shows that she was walking so that was been really my first introduction to the, the proper fashion industry that's not just about garment making but <clears throat> really the, the entire thing and I, I have to say I didn't know if I could be a good fit I, I felt a bit shy in it I'm, I'm more of an introvert so you know you see these designers often being incredibly confident and I, I just didn't know if it was the right place to be for me and um, it took me a little bit to get yeah closer to the industry and, and find my own little space in it um, so in between studying design and finishing my apprenticeship I had about a year where I tried different things in the industry I I did an internship as a um, in, in journalism at a magazine um, and also looked a bit into fashion marketing. But what that taught me was really that I love working hands-on on the creation of a product. And that's really where my passion lies and um, where I can spend day in and day out and never get bored. So 
um, researching then your, you know, the fashion schools that are known for um, nurturing really great talents. Obviously, London came up very high on the radar and it's been a city that I was always interested in. Funnily enough, before accepting my course, uh, I've never ever been to London before. So there was a little bit of a risk involved that I might not like it, but it all turned out um, perfectly well. I, I, I loved London from the moment I set foot in it. Um, and it's it's been a great place for me to, you know, find my own place in the fashion industry, build my network and meet like-minded people. Um, and then now ultimately also set up my own brand. Yeah. So do you think maybe then being a bit of an introvert in such an extroverted industry, did that lead to your slower approach to the fashion calendar? Because since you launched in, was it 2018 you launched? You've only released three collections, which, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot of brands out there that would have the confidence to to slow down in that way. (sighs) So where does that come from for you? That's an interesting question. I mean, you know, firstly, let's be honest, there are restrictions. I, you know, started on my own. So I only have 24 hours in a day as everyone else, even though I like to think Beyonce has more. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was restrictions and, and the budget, what I could turn out and what I could do. And because of my very technical training, um, I, I did everything myself up to, a prototype and then you know production and the final samples are done with partners here in London but everything else was really me and so um it you know it takes a while to to really get things right and I think here comes the tailoring side into it is that I cannot put a product out there where I'm not sure it's right um and therefore I like to take my time with the designs and go back and forth quite a couple of times to you know, really get the details to be the best they can. And the approach was always to create a brand that isn't trend-led. I have to say, I think the, you know, the four collections a year, that was always something that I couldn't quite see myself doing. Having worked and interned in the, the businesses that do this, I thought it was just insane. I, 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 for a lack of a better word, because designers often worked on three collections at the same time, each being in a different stage. You don't have any breathing space, and and then you know you you don't end up actually having your downtime mentally to get creative. And and for me, sometimes I have an idea in my mind, and it's just brewing and brewing, and I I can't quite grasp it yet. And then with time, it just comes and and it makes sense all of a sudden and all the ideas come together so for me this this little bit of just a mental break always is so helpful to come up with new and exciting ideas and I just saw the rush and the constant output that it had to create and I, I just knew that especially doing it in the beginning on my own that was not going to be feasible and I think there is a change now happening. We had major voices in the industry speaking up and saying this concept isn't only outdated, but it's unhealthy for everyone. I mean, it's not just the designers that suffer under it. I, I truly believe the product suffers and, and hence the client in the end suffers under this pressure of, of creating constantly new products as well. So it's, you know, it's it's a forced choice in 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 one way but it's also a choice that I truly believe in but that being said 
seeing the calendar and seeing brands constantly put out new collections, it it makes you question it constantly because you just feel like, oh, I have to do this. And, and you know, you, you get asked, oh, when's the next collection coming up? When's the next collection coming up? And you just feel silly saying, oh, I just released it last week. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's good for now. <laughs> It, yeah, definitely. I think well, yeah. it takes it takes people like yourself to to stick your head up and say, "No, this is this is crazy. I won't do this." And to you know, be strong in your stance. And I think a lot more people will will probably follow suit soon because a lot of a lot of brands, like you were saying, they recognize that the pace is unrelenting and yeah. you can't be creative, but also you know it's 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 an unrelenting an unrelenting sorry pace on the planet as well absolutely the 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 environment can't keep up with our our huge consumption of fashion and i mean i think that's another reason why your brand is so wonderful is because these are you know your slow approach and also we're going to talk a bit more about the natural fibers that you use but these are all just kind of these were natural decisions for you to make because that's where you trained and also that's how you truly believe that clothes should be made. Absolutely. Um, and obviously you have the positive that you're helping the environment. <laughs> it's really about making the least of a negative impact. And I think it's truly about not, not harming the planet. And, you know, I don't only love fashion, but I also love our beautiful planet. And so it was always about finding a way to make clothes that don't then have the ugly side in, in the way they're produced in, in the background. Of course, yeah. So so can you tell us more about the, the fabrics that you use? Because you only use natural and organic fabrics um, and they have a really beautiful luxurious quality to them so what what do you like to work with so i'm not yet working with purely organic but we have a range of natural fibers and then wherever possible we we make the choice for for organic so i work with wool with linen with cotton silk and then uh, also now we have introduced alpaca and my choice came really from the previous education I have had and also having really sensitive skin and noticing what what you know is it does my skin well and and what doesn't and what can I wear on my skin without feeling irritated and and what bugs me throughout the day the idea was always to not only create something that looks good but it needs to feel good as well because I think ultimately only then you can also look good in it if you you know have that confidence and people see you're, you're comfortable in your own skin and, and in your second skin which is garments and especially for the work I do which is mainly separate day wear um, pieces that are tailored um, shirts and, and, and blouses natural so, like fibers were just the best option I could go for and many of the the other options out there were a less quality option or something that was you know trying to to be as close to, for example, silk as possible. So I, I knew I wanted to create a high quality garment. And then obviously looking at the environmental footprint, biodegradability is, is really important in fibers and in, in kind of the circularity of, of our garments. And we just haven't found ways to um, properly recycle and reuse polyester, for example, or things like Lycra. And for my product, the natural fibers 
where it is the best solution. Um, I'm, I'm not against anyone using, for example, recycled polyester or, you know, lycra and, and, and all of these things because it makes sense for their product. Having an organic cotton swim suit probably isn't the best idea because it doesn't give you the best quality in the garment itself. But I, I do believe truly making it work in the best way possible for, for your designs and um, for what I do. Um, natural fibers are the most beautiful, the most long-lasting, um, they feel the best, and they are also available. I mean, I, I only work with dock fabrics, so that means that the fabrics I purchase, they're not being made just for me, but they are available already also for other brands to work with. And that means that I can only buy as much as I need. Often, if you get fabrics made for yourself, you need to buy into minimums, if you're lucky, of 100 meters. Um, but a lot of companies work with a thousand or even more meters minimum. And that means you need to purchase that before you know how much you will actually sell of this piece. And that leads then to, you know, warehouses filled with dead stock fabrics that, that have been purchased for one specific garment. And then in the end, maybe that style was canceled and it's never been used. So that's another way how I make sure I, I only purchase what I need to create the garments that we have sold or that, you know, we, we are cautiously planning to sell. Um, and and it's, it's all about making sense and making not just a sustainable decision, but also something that's sustainable for, for the business financially long term. And here working with Stock Fabrics and Natural Fibers was really the, the logical choice for me and my product. So can you tell us a bit more about the alpaca then that you mentioned earlier? Um, I, I have to admit that I wanted to have this conversation with you because I saw some pictures of you and some baby alpacas <laughs> and I just wanted to know more. Um, so what, you, you've created a coat, is that correct? Yes. So yeah, so what was, what was the draw for you to, to start using alpaca this year? Like you, I was really mesmerized by the idea that there is alpaca farms in in the uk i I was not aware of that and um in a trade fair i i want to say it it must have been over a year ago now i met a woman that um has an alpaca herd and she is having the the wool spun and woven and knitted into the most beautiful fabrics and I, I was so surprised to see that and so excited because it's all done locally that I, I just wanted to find a way to use the fa- this fabric. Um, and because I'm, I'm so determined to only use a fabric if it makes the most sense for the design and not try and force it, it took me a little while to find the perfect um, garment for it, but I did. Um, and it's, it's a really special code actually because it was inspired by a concept that Cristobal Balenciaga has developed in 1961 he called it the one theme code and as the name suggests it's a it's a code that only has one theme and I it is what you mean I yeah. know and when I saw a picture of it I thought that's very Balenciaga <laughs> yes so it was featured in the Victorian Albert Museum Balenciaga exhibition and yes, I, yeah, I, I, I love the concept because it is basically constructed from a rectangle that is cut without any leftover. So you use the full width of the fabric and then you fold it and slash it so that it creates the shape of a coat. And it's, so it's a zero waste construction. And kind of using then this, this space shape that Balenciaga had come up with and adding my own design ideas to it and, and really enhancing it to, to make it fit 
with my aesthetics was such an exciting progress. And then the alpaca fabric that I had on my mood board for a couple of months finally just made sense. And what we are using is a beautiful color coat form. And the amazing thing is it's not only, you know, organically made in the UK, but it's also undyed. So the farm sorts the wool of the alpacas after shearing into their natural occurring colors. And then almost as in a paint palette, they either use the, the pure colors that they have in the alpacas or they mix it and create new, new colors. So the mm. one we are using is a mix of the beige and the white alpacas and it's creating this really soft, natural beige without the need for any dyes. So as you see, there's so many stories within this one code. And um, as it was inspired by Cristobal Balenciaga, it is actually called the Cristobal Code. And now we went to the farm. We actually heard they have a alpaca called Balenciaga. So it seemed to all come oh, together. That's so <laughs> um, sweet. Yeah. Um, so why, why is alpaca such a sustainable um, fabric, do you think? There is a couple of points to alpaca that are really unique. So it's actually lighter than sheep's wool while being as warm as sheep wool. Um, it's hypoallergenic because, you know, sheep have lanolin on, on their fibers and that's something that can be quite irritating to some people. And alpacas mm. don't have that. The fibers are incredibly soft. And as I hinted, they come in in so many different beautiful shades. I think there's over 20 recognized natural colors within alpaca. Oh. And then you can mix those. So from, from black to white, you can create anything in between. So any kind of shade of gray you would want to achieve, you could create completely without the need for any dyes. Um, and then especially when it comes to the Andes in Peru where the, the alpacas are native, their paws are incredibly soft on the environment because they are padded. So um, their, their hooves aren't harsh as we know it from, for example, goats, but they, they almost have a little cushion below. So their hooves aren't damaging the environment. And at the same time, when they are eating the grass, they're actually biting off the grass instead of ripping it out, such as goats. And that means that sometimes the, the Andes uh, grass looks actually like a perfect in English lawn because it's so well kept by the, by the alpacas. And so they're incredibly gentle on the environment that they're living in. I mean, yeah. I was just sold, especially on the idea of being able to create a coat that's made from start to finish in England. Um, mm. So the alpacas are not only kept, but they're also born in England. The, the British alpaca company that I'm working with um, breeds their, their alpacas. And it's a cruelty-free process where they are keeping the alpacas in, in England in, in amazing conditions that I was able to see for myself, which is for a designer, really rare occasion that you actually get to see the origin of the fiber that you are working with and see basically the full circle of the making of a garment. And then we are also sewing the garment in the UK, um, just outside of London, which, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And especially working towards transparency and sustainability, it, it was something I could definitely not resist because it's truly an amazing example of how fashion can be created in a very, very beautiful way. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful story. And I love that you were able to go and visit them as well. And I know. <laughs> I did have it on my to-do list for quite some time, but it is a bit of a journey out of London. It's about four and a half hours by car. And so, oh, right. you know, working very hard and busily on, on everything, it was always pushed back. But now that lockdown lifted and we did have the chance to, to visit um I said okay let's go we just need to do this and I'm so so happy I did because ha having been able to meet the animals is is something truly exciting and seeing how they're kept there and uh you know getting to know them personally each and every one of those has their own name it's it's just been an absolute blessing to to get to experience that and I mean they are just the softest creatures I've ever had the chance of of petting so and and touching and, and the coat is, is amazing they have it, it's really beautiful oh I'm very jealous and now I really want to touch your coat <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me today Hannah it's been really lovely to speak to you and thank you for telling us the wonderful story behind your brand and behind the Christabel coat thank you so so much for having me I truly enjoyed this conversation and, and as you can tell it's is something that I'm more than glad to speak about because I'm still super excited about this and uh, <laughs> obviously just hoping to build up on this uh, further and further as we go along. I loved Hannah's story about the Zero Waste Balenciaga coat and the little alpaca named after the famous Parisian designer. It's a perfect mix of heritage style meeting new sustainable methods an aspiring problem solver. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Please let me know what you think by leaving a review or sliding into our DMs on Instagram. We are at Fonder Fashion and I'll pop our details in the show notes. Next week, I am joined by Debbie Luffman of Finisterre to talk about a more traditional form of wool that comes from sheep. Hope to see you then. Mm -hmm.